Dancers have a lot to balance. From their pirouettes to their jumps, a dancer's performance is a direct result of hard work and motivation. So where does food fit into this? There's a lot of myths and a ton of antiquated ideals about what a dancer's diet should look like. And I'm here to dispel those. I'm Rachel Fine, registered dietitian nutritionist and founder of To The Point Nutrition. I'm the dance nutritionist and I'm here to tell you that to be a successful dancer, you don't have to diet. Instead, I'll teach you how to use food as your best tool to enhance your performance. A nourishing meal plan not only fuels your dancing, but also enhances your strength, improves your balance, supports your flexibility, and most importantly, reduces your risk to injury. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, thank you for having me. You are an expert of yourself. I'd love for you to give us an idea of where you dance and then the journey that really led you there. Yeah, um, so my name is Alexandra Farber. I am a dancer with Texas Ballet Theater. Um, I've been here for, this is my 10th season with the ballet. Um, and um, I started dancing at age three um, uh, in the Washington DC area. That's where I'm originally from. Um, I went on a train with Maryland Youth Ballet all throughout my middle school, high school years, pre-pro stuff. And then when I graduated from high school, I was in Houston Ballet 2 for one year, 2011-2012 um, season, and then the year after that, I joined as an apprentice at Texas Ballet Theater, and the rest is kind of history. Um, <laughs> but I'm also an emerging choreographer and also a visual artist, so those are my oh. other things. Nice. So throughout that time of you being a pre-professional student, going into the second company, and then of course, apprenticeship, how has your relationship with dance and with ballet uh, shifted from then to now? Oh, it's, it's like the love that you originally have for it never goes away, I don't think. But it definitely gets complicated. It's sort of like, your relationship to dance has like this like teenager phase where it's like kind of I think it's just the the transition from being a student when you're in your especially from like being from a smaller school like I was um you know it's so like cozy and you know everything and then to be like thrown into this world is um just it's just the schedule is crazy a lot of people are on their own for the first time away from family you're still like not you know you're an adult but you're not you're barely you know you know you have your own apartment now and you have all these other responsibilities and you're like oh my gosh and um but over time i mean since then i feel like i mean even from five years ago like i feel like a totally different person and totally different dancer um just my relationship to it has changed so much like I used to get, you know, I think younger dancers, a lot of the times we get really caught up in, in things and then you get to be older and it's like, we're running around in tights. Like, <laughs> we don't need to take it that seriously. This is not a life or death situation. And I think everyone knows that deep down, but like, I, for me, at least it wasn't until I got a little older that I was like, okay, like you can take a deep breath and let some of this stuff go. Like, you don't need to get too wound up about it. <laughs> 
Yeah. And just a couple things that you brought up that I'd love to touch on. Uh, the idea that dancers at somewhat of a very young age are hit with these major transitions in their career and, you know, getting to the point, being a pre-professional student to being in a, in a studio company to them being an apprentice, it happens not necessarily quickly, but it, with it, relatively speaking, I feel like it does kind of have, it, it's kind of thrown on you at a pretty fast pace. And then all of a sudden, before you know it, you have your own apartment and you're taking care of yourself and you're still pretty damn young. You know what I mean? So um, I think it's really, that's a major challenge that a lot of dancers face is just being hit with this idea of like, oh, now I have to cook for myself and figure out my meals, pack my own snacks. And, and that's where there can also sometimes be a lag of education in regards to like, how am I able to like, make sure I'm eating enough while living on my own? Totally. And that is, I definitely struggle with that. Like when I first <laughs> moved out of the house, like I feel like I knew how to cook for myself better when I was living at home than I mm. did. And maybe that comes down to like learning how to grocery shop and things like that. Cause everything was there already. So like mm -hmm. I could make myself lunch. I could do all those things. But then all of a sudden I was like, ah, I'm really lucky to have avoided any like major diagnoses. And I definitely consider myself one of the lucky ones. Like it's really an, an unfortunate part of, this career um, and the history of this career, um, which is why I'm so grateful to people like you who are finally like making the kinds of information that dancers need accessible. Sure. Um, but I definitely had periods of my life where food and I had a horrible relationship, which is so mm -hmm. unfortunate. Um, and that was definitely like the peak of that was I just had no idea. So I would you know, see one thing someone was eating and be like, well, I have to eat that, like, because they're doing that. Um, but I wouldn't, you know, you, that's like one glimpse of their whole day. And like, I look back on those days and I'm like, no wonder I was so stressed and felt so terrible. Like, <laughs> Was there a specific point where you connected the dots between the way you were eating and how you were able to perform? I feel like later in that first year away from home, like about three quarters of the way through, I remember it was literally an infomercial. And I used to be so embarrassed about this. Like, I'm so happy that like 10 years later, I'm able to talk about it. But it was an infomercial for some like diet plan. I remember ordering it and trying it and I wouldn't tell anybody about it. And it was like a month into that where I was like, whoa, like you're not like if, if what you're eating is a secret, that's mm. like a really that's like, mm -mm, like you got to stop that. Um, so yeah, that was when I was like, okay, enough is enough. Um, yeah. You bring up a really good point. Uh, one thing that dancers sometimes forget about is because, you know, in their pursuit of the athleticism of dance, it can be easy to just only focus on the nutritional aspects of food and what it's doing for your physical body or what it's doing for your body shape or your body size, for example. And then what happens is we forget about the fact that food can very much be a part of our social and of our cultural and our emotional well-being, our mental well-being, all of that really falls to the waistline. And then what ends up happening is we lead ourselves closer and closer to burnout because we are solely tunnel visioned on how can we use food for the purpose of our performance and everything else just falls aside, right? Our social lives, our me mental health, our emotional well-being, exactly what you're explaining. And, and lucky for you, you did figure out that there was something wrong 
that if you were having to do something that was a secret, there is something there is something yeah. not working with that situation. Yeah, and I have um, I didn't mention earlier, but uh, over about eight years of my career, I pursued my uh, bachelor's degree in psychology. I graduated mm. um, in the summer of 2020, so still a fresh grad, I suppose. Wow. But um, so having that background in psychology now and like really getting into that um, has revealed a lot about those relationships to food and, and things like that. And I love that so much of your content deals with that um, because it mm. is a huge part of it that I think, you know, up until recently, like wasn't part of mainstream science. Like people weren't really talking about the, the mental aspects of your relationship to food. It was just like, you eat it or you don't eat it. And it's like, mm -hmm. it's way more complicated than that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, for dancers, especially like we can see food as a tool that can help our performance, but it can also, what diet culture imposes upon us is utilizing food as a tool to only impact whether it be our quote unquote health or whether it be our body shape or our body size or our body weight or for dancers, how they're performing on stage. And like I said, the psychology, that, that end of the stick really does fall to the waistline. And, and it's really terrible because food can play such a role in actually flourishing what you do, both on stage, but then also I would imagine as a choreographer. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny because like you, people don't think, especially like in my degree as well, like you've, I found this, it's like if you have a day off from dance and you're doing other work, you think like, oh, well, I'm not working out. Or at least this was like my mentality when I was a little bit younger. Um, but it's like decision making and like planning things, like brain power takes energy. Like you need to be fueling that as much as you are running around in the studio. Um, so definitely from that side. I mean, also as a choreographer, you're in there and you're dancing and you're, you know, you're still kind of doing anything everything that everyone else is that you're having other people do and demoing and whatnot. So, yeah, absolutely. So did you always know that you wanted to also go through a path of choreography or did that like kind of fall along the way? So when I was young, I mean, like almost since the time that I started dancing, I loved choreographing too. And I think when you're so young, you know, you're only in the studio taking class and, you know, maybe you have a little, performance once a year but so me and my friends would get together in my basement and I'm talking we're like you know five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve years old and um just like getting together and making up little dances is a choreography at that point you know who's who yeah, really right. to say but at like around 11 or 12 I remember getting like really into it to the point where one of the parents like ended up we went to like an old folks home and like got to do a little performance for them. And it was like super fun. Like we got to choreograph this whole thing. And, mm -hmm. um, and then as I got a little older, like into my pre-pro stuff, like we did the whole YGP circuit and everything. And I choreographed um, a couple of solos for myself for those uh, performances and did pretty well in that. And then getting into my professional career, you know, it just, you become so busy that, I didn't really have as much time for it, but I still would take notes, like, you know, listening to music and things that I thought like might be a cool idea. But once I really got into professional company life, it really started to wane. And I started to think to myself, well, like, um, you know, after this career, what do I want to do? Or what would mm -hmm. be something that I would like to do? And I thought about becoming a repetitor. Um, I even thought about getting trained in notation, even though it's not really used as much anymore. But um, 
And then like, I mean, as cliched as it, as it is, like during pandemic, I really started to question that. I was like, like where, what happened to choreography? And, um, you know, it kind of came down to the question of like representation. Cause I realized in my entire professional career, I've only danced one piece choreographed by a woman. Mm. Um, and it wasn't even really through the ballet. It was through the symphony was doing a project that we like partnered up with them and they had hired the choreographer. Um, so you could say like, I've never really danced a piece uh, choreographed by a woman. And wow. I mean, it's just kind of unfortunate, like not to shave my own company, but like, I'm like, they're, they are out there. Like, um, but they, you know, even in companies that are doing works choreographed by women, they are the minority for sure, hands down, especially in the history of ballet, like all the classics, Balanchine, Robin, you know, like they're all old white guys and it's like kind of problematic. Um, Absolutely. And then, you know, thinking about how many repetitors I work with, I would say 95% of the repetitors, probably more, I can only think of like one or two male choreographers assistants that we've ever had. So I'm like, no wonder there is like this shift in my brain of like, oh, well, like that's my place that was sort of unconscious. Um, so during 2020, I ended up starting to work with a couple of my peers and it really felt like going back to those days when I was younger mm -hmm. um, and since then I've had a couple of really cool opportunities um, our uh, the modern museum of Fort Worth um, and I made a connection and partnered up and uh, this video presentation that I made because you know we couldn't have live performance for a while um, we ended up getting to perform it live which was super cool and then uh, that was in September and then at the end of next month, um, they're having me again, and I'm presenting a world premiere. It's called Inside Voices. I am so excited. So wow. that's sort of that whole journey. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. I love hearing how you have been able to take your own perspectives and assess the situation and realize, like, wait, why am I naturally falling into this one position when... I could potentially challenge the industry and go way further with this and, and, and really challenge the idea that choreographers don't only have to be white male choreographers. Yeah, <laughs> it's such a problem. It is a major problem and it's really inspiring. It's so inspiring to hear that and for a lot of younger dancers to hear that. Yeah. Um, I feel like my school was so incredible, uh, Maryland Youth Ballet, because we're, we're about to celebrate, uh, we have a gala coming up where I choreographed a solo for myself um, for the gala. Um, it's celebrating Hortensia Fonseca. She's mm -hmm. the founder. She turned, she just turned 100. Wow. Um, and it's the 50th anniversary of the school. So it's like a huge big gala. Um, she really was such an inspiration because the first choreographer I really saw was her. Like yeah. she was the one choreographing on all of us. Uh, when I was young. So, um, you know, I think back to those days and how much of an inspiration she was before there was balance sheet in my mind, before there was anybody else, there was her. So pretty special. That's, that's really awesome. So it sounds like you have a ton of different things going on rather than just being in performance mode. I mean, you have your degree in psychology, uh, your choreography. So the idea of you ever hyper-focusing on ballet seems to be like a problem you didn't struggle with. You know, it was up until the last few years, for sure. 
So tell um, me about that. Like what, yeah. what drew you to all of these other, you already spoke about the choreography, but I'm really curious to hear about, you know, your degree in psychology. What drew you to picking that up as well? I think that my family was super big in that. I'm really blessed that my parents were super adamant about me getting higher education and helping me to get that higher education. It's really mm. tough that like, if you don't have basically your parents paying for it, it's very difficult as a dancer Absolutely. to be able to afford tuition. And I mean, I was doing, you know, part-time online in state and it's still so expensive. Mm -hmm. Like I would not have been able to afford that with a dancer's salary. Um, so I was lucky that, you know, I mean, I'm the only dancer in my family. So when I, and I'm the firstborn, so, you know, firstborn problems, they were like, well, like, is this really a career? Like, can you actually mm -hmm. do this? So when I was in high school, they were like, well, you can do auditions, but you also need to apply to college and whichever one you get into, you need to defer, like, just in case you don't like this dance thing. So they were always like at my side, like, and I mean, I used to sort of not resent it, but like, you know, I was like, nah, school, which I feel like a lot of dancers have that kind of like rebel against academics phase, or at least I did. Um, mm -hmm. uh, even when I got into, so yeah, then I got my contract and everything. I also deferred to Bryn Mawr College. They were my top choice. Um, shout out to Bryn Mawr. They are great. They even came mm -hmm. back to me after my first year of deferment and they were like, you can defer again. And I wow. was like, I think I'm good. Um, yeah. Because I would have been in person there, but uh, they, um, yeah, I took one year off from school because I was like, eh. but then when I came up here, my parents were like, okay, like, it's really time to start. Um, let's get going on this. And I was like, okay. Um, and the first year or two was kind of like, like, I have to do the school stuff. But then it really became kind of a joy. And I think after a year or two, like we were talking about earlier about burnout, um, you know, when you're a young dancer, you just really try, you're just like, no matter what, I'm going to push, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do everything right, I'm going to, and then you get kind of exhausted, and you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa I need to take a step back, um, and I think it was those initial, like, I would have spurts of really going for it, and then burning myself out, and like, hating everything, and going for it, and burning myself out, and hating everything, um, realizing that, like, having other things going on, was so important to not feeling that burnout like being able to be like okay today was not my best day in the studio that's totally fine i don't need to go do four workouts because i feel bad about like my performance that's actually if anything my body needs recovery and not that yeah. um, like pushing yeah. harder is not the solution here yeah um and i'm gonna go read my textbook and take my mind somewhere totally different um and the same goes with like the creative outlets like sometimes to be able to, it just totally shifts your perspective. And I think in a way, you know, dancers worry so much, or at least I did when I was at like hyper-focus, like blinders on, tunnel vision, kind of towards my performing career. Um, you think it's helpful, but it really just makes you crazy and burnt out. And yeah. you become better in your performing career when you have other outlets and you have like a healthy relationship to, okay, I'm tired and I need to rest. Yeah. Um, which the dance world doesn't really encourage a lot of the time. So I, I think that's why it's hard. Like for people who right now are tunnel vision, like it's not necessarily you, like it's, you know, the dance world needs to change the narrative in that way. Yes. Yeah. We and I will say, 
I will say over the years of hosting this weekly live series, that's been one of the major drives of it is basically to just show younger dancers who are watching that like these professional um, role models are doing a lot more, even if that just means being, um, whether it means like being a dog mom or like a dog dad or like, you know, just having multiple titles, getting into a hobby like beating or I've heard, I've heard of all like knitting, whatever it might be, just partaking in other aspects of their lives. And it helps so much with their abilities on stage. Because like you said, it's so easy for dancers to just focus on ballet. And we think that helps, but all it does is just like derail you. It's almost like when you're having that bad turning day. I know I've experienced this and you kind of like keep trying at the pirouette and it's just right. getting worse and worse and worse the more you try. Yeah, <laughs> you know like, what I mean? And it's like, okay, I got it. I got to take a couple steps back and that's you having your textbooks, having your school to, to focus on. So any um, pre-performance rituals that you'd love to share with us? I don't have like a ton. It's funny because tonight's our opening night for um, our uh, Tchaikovsky mixed rep. Sure. Um, so I'm trying to think of what I, I do today. Um, I have like two little like superstitious things. It's like the last little superstitious things I let myself have. Um, but I um, like, like I kind of just like touch my ribbons. I used <laughs> to like literally spit on them. It's not very pandemic friendly. So I don't really spit on them anymore. Because um, in an old book I read, like, dancers of old, uh, you know, like, back in the, like, early 1900s, you know, now to keep our ribbons in, we use, like, tape, or we sew yeah. it, or we use hairspray, yeah. they would literally just spit on them, but so, oh, like, my... that became, like, a tradition for me, like, a while ago, I mean, I know it's, like, hot big movie, it sounds, like, really gross, it's not, really gross. I'll just, I used to just go, like, you know, like, like, yeah. like you were licking a stamp, whatever, yeah. anyway, yeah. Um, I still, like, kind of touch my ribbons and, like, it just connects me to, like, the history of, like, the women that have came before. I don't know. It's, like, a little superstitious thing I do. Mm -hmm. And I say a short um, Jewish prayer right before I go on stage. So those are my, like, ritual rituals that I do. Sure. But as far as, like, preparing, um, you know, I kind of try and eat like I would on a normal day. Maybe something, like, a little bit lighter before the show just because, like, mm -hmm. jumping around, like, I'll give myself a mad case of heartburn. Um, mm -hmm. Like, and then I definitely have like a big recovery meal afterward. Um, and just trying to like chill out. I'll read a little bit today, probably because we have some rehearsals this morning. Unfortunately, with COVID, like, it's been kind of a mess. So like, we're always kind of, we may have to do some last minute casting changes today. So sure. we do have a rehearsal this morning, but um, we'll have a long break before opening tonight. And um, yeah, just chilling at home, relaxing a little bit, mm -hmm. hanging out with my cat. <laughs> so you said that you like to have like a post-performance recovery meal. I would assume, because a lot of dancers get nervous when they're like, I need to have a recovery meal and it's like 11 p.m. at night or it can get to be really late. But that recovery window is so important. So I'd love to hear a little bit about how you benefit from having a meal after your performance. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, especially so at Texas Ballet Theater, most of us live in Fort Worth, and then we perform in both cities, Dallas and Fort Worth, which are about, I mean, after the show, it's only like a 30 minute drive. This afternoon, it's going to be like traffic up the wazoo, but whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so, the you know, luckily for me, when I'm just finished performing, 
you know, you still kind of don't feel quite like eating, or at least I don't, because you just like, were running around so much. Right. But then after about 20, 30 minutes, it's like, boom, it just hits me. And I'm like, okay, I'm really hungry now. Mm-hmm. Um, so luckily, and maybe not luckily with the drive home from Dallas for these performances there, um, it gives me just enough time to like drink some water and then be like, okay, I need food. Um, I'm super, super lucky that I have a very amazing supportive fiance who's also an amazing cook. Mm. So like these days it's great because I don't have to come home and make myself something like usually has plenty of carbs. Like I want some, uh, he makes these amazing like Asian noodles, stir fry. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. And it kind of just like hits everything. It has veggies in it. It has like tofu or tempeh in it. Water is so important to me during theater week because I can forget and look at the lights and everything like you're sweating so yeah. much yeah um and then I just usually hang out a little bit before I go right to bed um because like after that you know you feel a little like you're full and stuff and then you're sort of like awake a little bit from the post performance you know adrenaline post situation um and then I'll usually take a shower and and then I'm able to like sleep well like if I w- didn't eat I do not think I'd be able to get to bed like so Alexander, my final question for you yeah. is how would you define what it means to be the healthy dancer? To be a healthy dancer for me is definitely all the things we hit on, but especially that like well-rounded, like you, not not the tunnel vision. I yes. think that not only is the healthiest way to approach it from a physical standpoint, from a mental standpoint, from an emotional standpoint, But it's also just like the most inspiring, like you find, you know, in all your little things. And it, you know, like we said, it doesn't have to just be a degree. It doesn't have to be another art form. It can literally just be your relationship with your family, your relationship with your friends, your relationship with your partner. You get inspired by those things. And then you can then bring that into the studio. And then you're, you're just a happier person. And when you're happy, you're healthy. And when you're healthy, you're happy. And it all kind of feeds itself. Yeah, it's so clear from this conversation that you exemplify a balanced dancer in the sense of you are not just here for what you do on stage, but you're also here for all of these other aspects of your life. And I just think that that is the most important um, concept for dancers to walk away with from my account, from from professional dancer accounts like yourself, that it's not only about what you produce on stage. That's a huge part of who you are. Nobody's taking that away. Um, But it's also about how you can get there and how you can bring depth to your artistry and to what you're doing. 100%. Alexandra, thank you so much for chatting with me today. Thank you. This is awesome.